0: Good morning, Stacey. I should probably start recording on this end.
1: Well, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: you win some, you lose.
0: <laughs> right.
1: I will give so, you a chance to do that.
0: Welcome, everyone, to Something Real, the home of professional podcasting, where we real, real podcast. So, we're I a
1: select
0: operation. Yep. All right. So how are you feeling today, having been under the uh, weather?
1: I have been. I'm doing okay today, except it feels like whatever I have, which I believe to be a sinus issue, keeps deciding it wants to travel up and down my face. Well, all right. So, so we'll go from my nose to my head and back, and today it seems to be in my throat a little bit, but we'll, uh, we'll make it work. Well,
0: you sound pretty clear on this end, so. Thank you. We are back so, yeah. to our phoning today. We're, we're phonies we're obviously phonies.
1: <laughs> if we were phonies we're not doing it <laughs> you think we'd be a little a little more slick yeah but
0: so anyway i am uh, i feel greatly blessed to be able to be doing this with you today
1: same uh we had some scheduling issues yesterday so we're trying to play catch up a little bit but we're gonna get it done one way or another
0: speaking of blessed so- I
1: hey, praise I be that to the entirely. God and Father
0: of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ.
1: I missed that entirely. So that goes to show you I'm not on top of my game. <laughs> uh I you're always your great... on top of your game. <laughs> I missed your great transition. <laughs> uh but yeah, that was what we are talking about this week. And as you know, as I have been a little bit under the weather, I unfortunately uh, missed the sermon in person this week and had to watch online but uh that's what we're going to talk about and I missed I missed one of my favorite songs but you know it is what it is
0: you also um, made it virtually to our uh, annual membership meeting uh, I did that was new <laughs> it was it was new for all of us we've never offered that option before uh weren't sure quite how it was going to work out it seemed to work pretty well everyone was able to to vote and Uh, be able to participate and
1: it was yeah i mean for what it was yeah i uh things like that i mean as as convenient as they make things and you know give everybody accessibility uh it it really makes me miss doing things in person yeah (laughs) and i'm i'm glad that there seems to be i mean i don't want to you know knock on wood here but there seems to be maybe a a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the pandemic and everything so hopefully
0: so and hopefully the same effect will be had on others who uh, following so much isolation uh, and, and having to not meet together, meeting virtually and all the rest of it. Hopefully others will feel uh, that, that tug toward gathering that um, that right. defines the church as a gathered people. And we've always, I mean, that's the nature of it. That's the the, the very definition of church is a people uh, called together and called apart from the world. So as we are, looking at, uh, you know, hopefully, like you say, at the light at the end of the tunnel, but even in the midst of it, um, finding ways to be able to gather. And, and these virtual options uh, are, it, it's, praise God for the technology that we have to be able to do these. Right. I mean, if you
1: think done. about it, even 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do Absolutely. this.
0: Absolutely. Completely, happen, yeah. completely different. It's caused us to rethink things. Uh, but at the same time, uh while that is something, it's not the same thing. We are not, right. when we gather virtually, we are not fulfilling the call uh, to meet together. We're not right. engaging in relationships the same way, just like all your Facebook friends, that's not true friendship. I mean,
1: it's right, <laughs> right. not the
0: same. Right. If I haven't seen
1: you in 20 years. Like <laughs> right.
0: So is it something? Sure. It's absolutely something. It's better to connect that way than not at all. It's better right. to listen to Christian podcasts like this one and and, you know, study and engage with God's word together or listen to sermons online than not to. But it right. can't replace the gathering together of God's people and engagement in person-to-person relationships. I was just having this conversation with someone recently uh, about the importance of it. Um, we, we live in this, this is a little bit off of where, where we are in Ephesians, but it, eventually it swings around to where we're going. The um, We live in this culture of, of uh, we have this um, therapeutic self-help kind of uh, mm-hmm. mentality about everything. And, and I think that's crept into the church over the last few generations uh, where we have such a belief in counseling and therapy and psychology and so on, as if these things are helpful. And generally speaking, they're just not and certainly not at the level of doing life the way God designed life to be. And so uh, I'm not saying there's never a place for that. Never a time it is, but this, this mentality of, um i i need to have this ongoing counseling to deal with these issues the issues that we're dealing with in life and this may sound like an oversimplification. I am convicted that it is not, as I look at the scriptures and I observe in my many, many years uh, of experience on this planet. Uh, Are you age aging yourself? Super old, so old, it's unbelievable. Uh, and and those who can see the video, the, the beard is coming in gray. Or, uh, it looks like my face is dirty. Anyhow, as we're as we're walking through this, I am I'm convicted that the reality of All of our difficulties, everything that we're dealing with is a theological issue and a discipleship Mm -hmm. issue. And we've talked about this before. You and I have talked about this lots of times that uh, it it really all comes down to understanding God and ourselves. And the discipleship aspect is what are we going to do about that? Are we going to let God be God and then surrender to him so that we're living our lives for him according to his design? and the the more we align with that, the more everything else comes together, and the less we align with that, the more we feel a need to, to get counseling and therapy and all these other things. Well, God designed the system to work for us not to be individual Christians. We must be personally in a relationship with Christ for it to, to even matter, but he's called us to Uh, to a corporate life as a body, as members of one body, Christ's body, the church, and everything we see in scripture from beginning to end, everything shows us that God deals with his people both corporately and individually. So he deals with uh, Adam and his family and Abraham and his family Israel and the individual members of of the nation so that those who are in the nation belong to God but those who do not follow God in the nation face that that wrath and judgment and separation from God but nonetheless God deals with his people as a whole in the New Testament it's not a change it's a, it's a, a shift in the administration of it so to speak in that it is a new way of relating to God through Christ which was always the purpose but while we need an individual personal faith, it does not remain individual. It becomes corporate when we enter into this family. And it cannot be just a private faith that there's no place in scripture where that picture exists as a positive thing. Those who are on their own doing what they think is right in their own conscience are uh, that's that's a, a condemned and negative picture. Bible, and we see it very clearly in Judges, where that phrase is repeated, where each man did what was right in his own eyes, and there was no king in Israel. That that mentality of individualism is destructive to our very nature, because God's designed us to be the church. So as we're looking at Ephesians, the the emphasis in Ephesians, we see in this beginning, uh, that the, uh, and especially we'll see in chapter two, there's a Uh, There's a focus on the individual salvation by grace. And yet when we see in Ephesians 1, this picture uh, of what our salvation is about and what it means to be in Christ, there is an us, a we, us uh, connection of the body. And as we go into chapter 3 and then uh, in chapter 4 especially, we see God develop this idea that we are called together as a living temple, as stones built together into this household and as we grow up in the faith individually we grow in unity with one another and with christ so the the idea of of being a christian is not enough and we've kind of in the last generations pushed away from that it's not just being a Christian, as in a, a Lone Ranger type, I'm on my own in, with just me and Jesus. But right. uh, but part of a family, part of a body, and it's not just being a part of a body because I have to be individually committed to the head that makes the body. So if I am, if I grow up in the church, and we say this all the time, borrowing from Keith Green and others, that uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. I can sit in the garage all day and I don't become a car. So the thing happens with us just because you were baptized as a baby confirmed at a particular point or you you grew up and and spent your time in church and you uh, sang all the hymns, you memorized the verses and you knew all the flannel graph lessons from Sunday school. That does not make you uh, a a Christian, a Christ follower. Uh, So to be. A child of God, a true child of God, John 1.12 says we have to receive him. As many as received him, after talking about God's people, he came to, which was his own, he came to uh, Israel. And in coming to Israel, they didn't receive him. But as many as did individually receive him, they gained the right to become children of God. God gave them that right. So then in Ephesians, we see that play out, and especially in these first 14 verses, as we're talking about it, we see that God's glory is displayed in his grace toward us in Christ. And there is an individual and corporate component that plays together in these first 14 verses That that is more developed as we go along. That's a lot of rambling, wasn't it, for 11 minutes of just hearing me chatter?
1: <laughs> That's okay. I want to hear one more. <laughs> Um, I mean, as, as, as far as I can tell, and maybe I'm just missing, I want to, I, I want to I say missing the because I, I feel I'm not missing the point. Like it seems really straightforward to me, yeah. <laughs> whereas, as you know, a lot of things that we talk about, uh, might seem like, oh, someone's going to argue that they're open to interpretation or, or, you know, whatever this particular, uh, section that, that was focused on Sunday just seems like, wow, in your face. This is this is this is what it is. And it's hard to to dispute that um, from from a starting point in a chapter. Like if that's going to set the tone for the whole thing then you need to when you need to read it through that lens, you know.
0: Right. And, and that's something that we need to keep in mind whenever we're looking at Bible, that the nature of right. Bible study is we, we, we can't fall prey to the temptation to just pull out individual verses that support what we want, to get into this topical idea, this mentality that we can uh, kind of piecemeal it, or, or some would call it the, the hunt and peck method of uh, Bible right. study. So we need to look at the full context of that particular passage within the context of that particular book, in this case, the the Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the surrounding area. Um, But we need to look at that, that book also in context of the greater covenant and and the greater uh, story that God is telling from beginning to end in, in history unfolding from Genesis to Revelation. So when we see that, Ephesians does not stand apart as a separate book, but as part of this overarching theme that that God has given us in life. So when we look at it, when we're talking about these individual things, and and this coming Sunday we'll we'll stop. We're kind of going to kind of hover here and deal with um, what is has unfortunately become a, a controversial issue over this.
1: I guess- Are you going to talk about predestination? Because that was my next question. We are, for
0: sure. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to... Well, we'll, then I'll, I'll hold on. We'll spend this Sunday focusing in on the idea... Uh, of predestination and assurance so what what okay. is the
1: well then i'll hold off on my questions
0: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, maybe we'll get them started this week and finish them up next week but but you know we're not going to be able to cover something that people have debated right uh really right. for for four or five hundred years at a minimum uh in a half an hour conversation but sure. but i want us to understand the picture of it i i posted uh a meme with a a quote from, from Spurgeon this week on Facebook. Maybe you saw that, or or maybe I didn't, because I think I posted it fairly recently. So I didn't post it this week, but I I did see it. And and it's in my head that, that our creeds need to bend to the Bible, not the Bible to our creeds. So what we believe our, our, our theological framework, our, our system uh, needs to bend to what the Bible says. If we start shaping the Bible by our human understanding, then we are in direct conflict with what the Bible calls us to do. So we need to understand that that uh, you know syst- systematic theology, much like our habits or rules in life, uh, make makes a really good servant and a really horrible master when we're right. to. Uh, live our Christian life through the lens of our systematized theology, rather than through the lens of biblical theology. In other words, what does the Bible say about itself? How do we interpret the Bible by by the Bible? Then, right. then our systematic theology becomes uh, becomes an idol for us. I have a friend who um, was attending a church for a while in Illinois, and and uh, she was perturbed because after a while she started realizing it seemed like they were not so much preaching the Bible as preaching uh, Wayne grudem's systematic theology right. which is a a a volume that uh, I believe I still have it I, I used to have a copy um, that is a useful picture of how different things fit together but that's a human uh, perspective on it and so when we start to look at you know I, I see life through my Calvinist framework or my Arminian framework or my Lutheran framework or an Anabaptist right. framework, a, a, a Methodist, Southern Baptist or, or, or whatever.
1: Or even not a denominational thing, but just your, maybe your the culture you grew Absolutely. up in yeah. or your your house, household you grew up in or whatever. Everybody's going to have their own bend on things. Just look at know? the
0: preponderance of understanding of of the Bible and, and the faith and what Christianity is through the lens of 2021 as opposed to the lens of 1965 just different thoughts so then if you were going to go back to say you know 1517 we we can't even begin to process the same kinds of things without a lot of work which is why it just a little side note it's why it's so dangerous for us uh to judge um the the actions and beliefs of of uh, historical figures from the past, without right. understanding fully the cultural milieu that they that they are in, the, the 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 mindset, the worldview that was developed, that they're not looking through our lens, and and when we're right. judging them from our point of view here, we're not looking through theirs, and so.
1: How are people going to judge us in a hundred years? Right. You know, <laughs> so it
0: doesn't. It's it's not. It doesn't make them right or wrong. It it, it right. gives it, it gives. Context it gets it gives a a, uh, a nuance to it to understand. Listen, slavery was always wrong. There's no question. Right. Uh, right. But to look at people, individuals in the context of a society that uh, embraced slavery, and to look at every individual who ever was on the wrong side of that issue as this horrendous, heinous, evil equivalent to Adolf Hitler uh, is Very short-sighted. We're not really seeing it, which is why when we're studying the Bible, to come back to to where we're going here, when we're studying the Bible, we need to not ever fall into the trap of thinking that Paul was writing to Real Life Community Church or to the listeners of Something Real podcast. As as Paul is writing this letter, he is writing it to a specific group, group of people in a specific culture, in this particular case, in Asia Minor, or what we would call uh, modern Turkey. And and so, uh, interestingly, in the region, that would be Anatolia, which is in my mind, because my mom just got a new dog, that's part Pyrenees, part Great Pyrenees, and part Indian Shepherd. So when we realized that the dog she's getting has ancestry in Ephesus, that seemed pretty cool to us. Not relevant at all, but this is the <laughs> dog you've ever seen in the, in your world. So anyway, as we're uh, as we're dealing with all of these things, I need to look at the book of Ephesians as best I can through Paul's eyes and receive it as best I can through the eyes of those in Ephesus and the surrounding area in the first century, in the, in, in the Roman Empire with a history of uh, Greek Hellenic culture in it. So as I understand the original author and I understand the original recipients, and I understand that culture, I can begin to understand what he's saying much more clearly than when I'm reading this and I see words that have become in our day buzzwords uh, right. that, or, or even bywords, so that it might be something that that we absolutely are angered about. But I can't look at it, I can't read it accurately if I'm using 2021 goggles to do so. If I'm right. looking at it through even you know, uh, post-Reformation goggles, I have to look at it through first century lenses to be able to see that. So when Paul is dealing with some of these issues, he's not thinking in terms of Calvinism and Arminianism and, and those kinds of things. He is writing the revealed word of God as the Holy Spirit pulls him along to, to direct his efforts in writing it. And this we know about the scriptures, understanding that, one, uh, Paul's writings were considered scriptures at the time uh, during uh, this early church age. Peter referred to Paul's writings as scriptures and said that people tried to distort them even then as they do the rest of the scriptures, including Paul's writings and the other New Testament writings, along with the Old Testament, as we would call it, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible. So all of that coming together, inspired by God, taking us in a particular direction as God has, has intended it. We need to understand that, that as we're reading and studying these books, we have to get the original author's intent which is reflective of God's intent through that author to the original recipient so that we can draw from it principles that we can then apply in our own context and, and contextualize it here for ourselves. But if we contextualize before we exegete, in other words, we're, we're putting it in our setting for application, before we draw out from the scripture what it actually means and intends, then we will greatly distort it and it will lose all meaningful purpose in our lives.
1: So. Right. I saw. Um. Here's your here's your moment of TikTok wisdom for the day.
0: That's wisdom.
1: Um. I saw a, a TikTok the other day, and it was it was like two seconds long, and it was just this guy who put up words. Uh, that matched with music and the only words were the bible doesn't care about your feelings (laughs) and i thought well that's accurate (laughs) That's right. and nobody nobody wants to hear that nobody wants to you know believe that it's because it's uncomfortable and that's why i mean to swing that back around what we were talking about earlier that's why there are so many you know self-help books and podcasts and therapists and whatever i'm not saying those things are bad things but it's because nobody wants to feel uncomfortable
0: (laughs) No, that's absolutely sure. right, and, and and so we we then begin to uh, color and flavor uh, what the scriptures say to fit our modern sensibilities, and that's
1: right. And that's, that's what you know. Okay. In this, right, and in this particular passage, you know, again, without getting too much into the the predestination thing, if we're going to focus on that later, um. Oh, I'm looking at, at now. Uh, where'd it go? Oh, verse ten. Uh, in in chapter, Ephesians chapter one, um. Uh, Oh, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's difficult because, I mean, again, I think it's very straightforward. This is what to expect and why, but for us as, you know, stupid humans, it's, it's also, well, I want that now I want that, you know, it's, it's, it's a time thing. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That, that's we, we want
0: God's things on our timeline instead of uh, on his timeline. And right. So- and
1: that's something I, I've had to get used to. I mean, uh, a while several years ago, I, I had many conversations with you about this um, when I was going through marital issues. Um, you know, everybody wants things to change and, and things to change now or things to get better now. And, uh, you know, that's all well and good. And there are things you can do and things you can't do. And the things that you can't do. Uh, you have to accept that that changes or doesn't change on God's timeline, not your own. And I think that's true in every hardship or minor inconvenience in life.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, as ahead. you look at that, uh, the when you, when you see verse 10, uh, verse 9 and 10, and then couple that with verses 22 and 23, we see the overarching picture of what this letter is about. and 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 so that gives us a lens through which to look at it and i like what what you brought out of um, you know verse 10 to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment in other words when the time is right when when in the fullness of time as an earlier translation might say uh, god brings to fulfillment what is already a settled matter in his will so when when we're talking and we looked at this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but when we looked at, at where this letter is going, it's the reconciliation of all things through Christ to God. So that we're talking about the, uh, the, the bringing in of those who will be saved. And ultimately the judgment of those who will be not the condom uh, who will not be saved. Uh, the, the, the condemnation and destruction of all that falls short of God's glorious standard. So in this, we see, as we talked about last week, that God's great purpose is, is this overarching theme is to bring all things together under his kingdom rule in Jesus Christ. That's right. what he's been working toward since Genesis. And when I say working toward him, I say that kind of from a human perspective so that we understand right. the, the directional nature of it. But before Genesis was written, before the earth was created, this was already a matter of settled history in the will of God to be brought to its fulfillment when the time is right. When everything, according to God's timing, is fulfilled, that's when we'll see it come to fruition in a visible, tangible sense. But in the sense of a an eternal reality, it is already true, it is already real, that all things are are placed under under the feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this, and again, well, I don't want to get into next week's thing too much.
1: It's hard, um, isn't
0: it? <laughs> it is hard. Um, but, but when we're talking about things like election, predestination, our, our progressive sanctification, all these different things, uh, we have to look at it from a time-bound human perspective. God right. is not bound by those things. So as we're trying to explain this, one of the reasons that people divide over these issues is because we are limited by human language and thought and these little eight pound brains that we have to try to capture somehow the infinite divine. Mm. That's not gonna happen uh, in the capacity we have right now. So right Right. now we know in part, then we shall know fully. Right Right now, it's like looking through a, 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 a Dark funhouse mirror, you know, where where we we're we're seeing through a glass darkly. We're not quite getting the picture. And uh, as both of us being uh, somewhat visually impaired, uh, needing corrective lenses, we can. I'm blind,
1: Rich. I'm blind.
0: <laughs> uh, well, it's, if I don't have my contacts, then I can't see right. anything that's more than you know six inches from my face for the most right, part. Right, right. With my contacts in, I can't see anything that's more than ten feet away from my right. face. So, you know, it, it's. But because of that understanding that, that um, the lens that we have and the limitations that we have changes how we see things sure, in a yeah. physical sense, that same reality happens in understanding that the revealed will of God. he makes it clear but we're not able at this point to fully understand it. I can explain to your son George the the deepest concepts <laughs> of, of the federal tax law and he it could be perfect. I could be the the best explainer of such things, which obviously I'm not. The the best explainer of things ever, but he's not capable of processing that level of thought. In all honesty, I'm not sure anybody's capable of fully processing wow. tax law. But anyway, as as we look at that, we're kind of trying to do that here. We're we're like ants trying to understand quantum physics when we're looking at the the eternal divinity of God, but. Anyway, understanding that in the greater context of the letter, God's great purpose is to bring all things together under his kingdom rule in Jesus Christ. And then looking at the first 14 verses of chapter 1, uh, the, the governing reality of this particular passage is that God's glory is displayed in his grace toward us in Christ. As He, as he's the initiator, he, he, his initiating, redeeming love reaches in, grabs us, chooses us, makes us his own, secures us in Christ, seals us with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that, that he will bring to fruition, to fulfillment, all that he has promised, all that has been already done for us and settled in Christ. In end, he guarantees personally our reception of the inheritance that he has for us when mm-hmm. time is fully come. But in the meantime, in the, in the right now, um, we're living in a world where we're, It's kind of the now and the not yet. We're here in it and we are, we are his in Christ. We are true children of the living God when we have been redeemed uh, through faith in Christ. But, but it's not our faith that does the redeeming. It's the work of Christ. It's God's grace. So his grace to us comes from him. It's all initiated by him, which is the comforting part that we'll talk about a lot next week is I can't mess this up. Right. it wasn't mine to do in the first place. So when we look at at what takes place in Ephesians 1, um, we we should be, first off, we need to make sure that, that we receive this gift of grace that he gives to us. But we need to get the focus off of ourselves. We need to remember that it's not about me. Uh, right. uh, one of my favorite books from Max Lucado uh, and, you know, Max and I have some some disagreements on certain perspectives but but one of the things that I really appreciated about him was his little book uh not a real uh big one called it's it's not about me uh, it, yeah. it's this this Copernican shift away from us at the center of the universe recognizing that, that we're we're satellites you know we're we're mm-hmm. orbiting uh the sun so to speak and so as we're um, looking through this, it comes from God. And we need to remember that it's about him. We need to recognize that whatever we're going through in this life, all of the junk, and this has been a rough rough week uh, for my family uh, with a, a particular issue that's been a, a struggle. And then, you know, we lost a dear friend this week we just had his funeral yesterday, which is why we had to postpone the podcast. Um, there, it's been a tough week but none of this is random. None of this is accidental. Uh, God is in it. God has a purpose in it that I may not understand. And it may not, uh, may not come together on my timeline, but on his, but I need to re- recognize that he's in whatever it is that we're going through. And we see that in the fact that he is initiating this redemption for us. And we need then To acknowledge that and and render to him, render to God the glory due his name. So all of this grace that God gives us is to the praise of his glory. So when we see even even at the beginning of Ephesians uh, 1, even in the greeting, Paul makes this clear point that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by the You know, election of the church or by his own uh, efforts, but by the will of God. God made him an an apostle. And uh, the the grace and peace that he greets them with comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 3, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us. God did this. In the heavenly realms, it's not tied up in this temporal world, but greater blessings, eternal blessings, uh, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's in Christ. It's not in us is what right, right. we've earned <clears throat> excuse me for he chose us again god doing it in him in christ before the creation of the world no time for us to to do good or bad or or to earn anything uh before anything he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us he set us apart for adoption to sonship that mm-hmm. his his desire his design his sovereign will prior to us doing anything good or bad or having faith was that we would be set apart to be holy and blameless in his sight he to be his children to uh to be fully inheriting through christ what is spiritually true of christ in accordance with his pleasure and will in other words it makes god happy to do that right this is what he wants and and we need to recognize in verse 6, it is to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So just right there in the opening portion, it, it, we get the idea in many ways of the entire book and for sure of this passage. It's interesting uh, to note, I, I didn't realize this at first uh, until uh, doing some study on it. The first 14 verses here in the original Greek are all one sentence. It's just one long run on sentence, which makes me love Paul all the more because we all know (laughs) a lot of run on sentences. So anyhow, uh, this, the beauty of all of this, that is to the praise of his glorious grace to, to the, the loving worship of God, the father is that in Christ, according to this passage, he has, blessed us. We are blessed in Christ. We are chosen in Christ. God chose us. It's a relationship initiated by him. We are adopted in Christ and that God has placed us into the exact same relationship to himself as the son. That's kind of mind blowing. And, yeah. and, you know, something that really deserves more development than we have time to give it. Uh, the The idea that now, Everything that is spiritually true of Christ is spiritually true of us. Everything that Christ inherits we inherit everything that that uh, that God has blessed Jesus with uh in however we can process that in our minds in the infinity of the triune godhead all of that is true of us spiritually. so additionally, we see that in Christ we are redeemed god's uh, God's paid through Christ the debt we owed God, right. our eternal, unpayable sin debt's been fully paid by the blood of Christ, not you know, not redeemed by his um, love or by his power, but redeemed by his blood. Uh, we are actually informed, we're, uh, we're involved in God's purposes as through children, he's let us in on his wonderful plans. God has revealed the mystery that was uh, held held secret prior to the coming of the Messiah, and he's revealed it now to us in Christ. We're, we're purposed in Christ. Our involvement in God's glorious plan is both intentional. God does it by his will, by his purpose. He chose it. He initiated it. And it is also settled. When we read it here, it's given to us in the past tense as something that is already a reality even though it will come to fruition and be made manifest when the full full measure of time has come uh, we're included in christ all believers are joined to christ and therefore there's a true sense of belongingness it's there are no second class christians if you have received christ then you are it fully adopted as his son or daughter and you have the full rights the full sense of belonging you're not some appendage that that just sticks on you are in Christ and you belong and you're included in the family and and lastly i think it's really crucial for us to recognize in verse 14 it says that in Christ we are sealed we're marked we're we're branded and guaranteed the the fullness of the inheritance that God has for us, because we are branded, marked, sealed as his by his own presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. God personally marks us as his own and guarantees our inheritance. What he started, he finishes. And there's nothing that can take us from his hand. All of this should give us such great comfort and confidence and assurance in Christ, not in ourselves, but what good would it be if it were in ourselves anyway if i've got confidence in myself if i have assurance of my faith because of my good deed doing or my 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 strength or or even my amount of trust that i have if that's what gives me confidence in my salvation i'm going to be in trouble because that's going to wax and wane it's going to you know that's like the tides coming in and going out sometimes it's high sometimes it's low sometimes i feel more saved sometimes i act more safe. Uh, But the reality of my salvation doesn't hinge on me. It is the declaration of God who has said, I am adopting you. You are mine. That's huge. When we have that kind of love from him that we did not, could not earn, how could we possibly unearn it? How could we possibly lose it? So the confidence that we have is in Christ because he is the answer he is the the full measure of our redemption and nothing can take that away
1: and that seems like a great
0: place to stop (laughs) i hope so because i went really long
1: we are a little bit over but that's okay so it just goes to show you that being on the phone does not stop us from going over (laughs)
0: well my 11 minute rant at the beginning probably Eh, you know slowing us down a little we Um, didn't even have a lot of pop culture references today you know although you know it seems like you uh you did make one in there in the middle that we kind of passed over but it's
1: probably, i guarantee you it was not important <laughs> <laughs> uh but we will stop there today um next week we should be back to normal hopefully but yeah um uh join us this sunday online or in person if you're in the area uh at 10.04 you can watch the live stream of the sermon on facebook or youtube um if you have any questions about what we talked about today or, or the previous Sunday's message, you can contact us at somethingrealatreallifeonline.org. Leave us a message on Facebook or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC.
0: Well done, madam. I
1: think that is all I have, uh, unless you have something else.
0: Uh, we'll get to more of it next week.
1: Okay. Then we have, You guys have to come back. So we will talk to you later. And thank you, Rich, for doing the, the phone thing with me. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.